Good Monday morning. I just got through playing pickleball. There's just something about playing pickleball that God is just trying to sanctify me, I guess. Um, there has been nothing in my life that has kind of exposed things in me quite like pickleball. And here I am a year and a half later, still feeling like I'm playing whack-a-mole. And you play with all these former tennis players and they just like place that little ball so perfectly. And I hate them. I hate all of them. <laughs> so, but what I've noticed is when I get out there, this morning I went to open play. And when you go to open play, there's like really good people there. And I woke up and these three men are there and they're like, you're what we've been waiting for. They just needed a fourth person to play. I, I'm like, no, trust me. I am not the player you've been waiting for. Uh, but anyway, I ended up playing with uh, two men and another lady that I never played with before. And when I say it takes every ounce of courage I possess in my entire five foot two frame uh, to get out there with strangers, I'm not joking with you. It takes everything I have. And what the Lord has been highlighting to me, and it was really highlighted today, um, is this just place of rejection in me that the enemy just targets. And I've said often, the Lord doesn't bring up things until it's time and we're ready. And so he really has been pressing on me this place of rejection that has just lingered longer. And I actually think I'm going to add the rejected heart to the Reclaiming Your Heart book because I've encountered it so much in myself lately and in conversations with other people. And I'm about to teach this study here in Greensboro, so I'll try it out on them first and see how it goes. But what I discovered with rejection, and my root goes back to my, I would say my first marriage. I had moments of rejection coming up as a kid, but not significant enough to like claim a place of my heart. But in my first marriage, there was substantial rejection and it was a perpetual rejection. It wasn't a single moment of a divorce or it was a byproduct of really 12 and a half years of marriage. And, and that was a deeply rooted place. And then when Philly and I married, you know, there were the rejected, the rejected pieces of what motherhood would look like and being a bonus mom and um, just the journey that that has been. And so the Lord has really been highlighting it for me. So when I go to those places, I try to go back to first, what is it speaking to me? And the two words that keep coming up inside of it is devalued. Another word would be insignificant and an inconvenience. When I feel like I'm an inconvenience to someone, it really pricks that place of rejection for me. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we're inconvenienced, then we just combat it with like, I'll do it myself. You know, we can, we can just get our rare on and, you know, make our own statements or agreements, if you will, of what we will and won't do. And, and so I've really been paying attention to that and feeling devalued and insignificant inside of rejection is kind of where it's landed for me. And so if 
you have that place in your life where the message to you is I'm not, I feel insignificant here. I feel devalued here, or I feel like I'm in inconvenience here. Then what I would do is go back and look if there is a place of deep rooted rejection. Maybe you were rejected by a parent. Maybe it was the rejection of the career that you wanted or the school that you wanted or a boyfriend or girlfriend that was exceptionally significant and or it was you've been rejected by a spouse or a child, a job, what, whatever it may be, but it landed. You didn't just kind of pass through it. Somewhere it kind of landed, settled, the dagger stuck. And those are the times we have to pull the dagger out. And, and, and what we do is we look at the lie that would say you're insignificant or you're not significant to God or God doesn't value you enough or this person doesn't value you enough. And we have to reject that with what is true. So when I look at those places where I feel insignificant or like an inconvenience or devalued, nothing speaks of my value greater than two things. One, if there would have been no one else that needed dying for but me, Jesus would have still died. And could there be any greater sacrifice than giving your life? Could there, could any expressed value be clearer than the fact that Jesus gave everything he had for me? Scripture screams of our value. You can't read a story that doesn't scream of value. The first person Jesus ever went to um identify himself as the Messiah to was a woman who had been married five times and the man she was living with wasn't even her husband. And Jesus took her in the darkest place of her story, a rabbi screaming of her value when he decided to reveal himself to this outcast. So for what it's worth, uh, pay attention to what your, if you encounter those things, a, a feeling of being devalued, a feeling of being insignificant, a feeling of being an inconvenience, and go back and look and look and see if there is any place of deep-seated rejection where your heart has landed. Break that. Repent of allowing it to stick. Break it. Declare it doesn't have a place in you. And then speak the truth over your life. And then you'll go back and play pickleball again. Or don't ever take up pickleball. You know, I'm just saying. Find a solo sport like swimming. It's quiet, you're alone with your own thoughts, you can pray. Or if you have a root of rejection, you might need to go play pickleball because it will be pricked over and over again. That's my word for you on this Monday morning.